Welcome to Hannah's Heart. So Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. No matter who we are, we can be inspired by the fact that Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her. So when she was praying at the temple, she had been weeping and not eating and her lips were moving, but her eyes were closed and the priest was like, why are you drunk at the temple? Because <laughs> yeah. it can become an obsession when you want Wanting a child so deeply. And desiring that baby and to be a mama. Every holiday, every Mother's Day. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome. But this is a show that says, however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hi, everybody. This is Kendra, and you are listening to Hannah's Heart on American Family Radio. Um, Welcome to the program. If it's your first time, this is a show for um, couples dealing with infertility or miscarriage to help you put your focus and energy on God, the miracle-working, hope-giving Savior that we all um, can have personal relationship with. Um, I'm your host, Kendra. Um, Anne is not joining us today. Pray for her. She's at home with her little, little sick one. Um, But both of us have experienced infertility personally, and we've experienced the goodness of God in walking us through that journey. If if that is your struggle, we invite you to cling to Jesus as your rock. Um, One of the things I love about this show is that we have had the chance to interview many different couples and many different ways that God has told um, beautiful stories in people's lives, the way that he builds a family. Um, Sometimes it's through adoption. Sometimes it's through a a miraculous conception. Um, Sometimes it's through someone just loving a niece or or a nephew. Um, But today's story is one that is so unique and special and personal to me as well. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about snowflake adoption. Now, if you've listened to this program before, you might be familiar with the term. But for those of you that aren't, snowflake adoption um, is um, also referred to as embryo adoption. It's a little unique, and we're going to get into all of that. But the the couple that's joining us is Jenny and David Hancock. So, uh, Jenny and David, welcome to the program. Well, thanks thank for having you. us. Hello. Oh, we're so glad to have you. So, I know Jenny and David from um, college days, back before they were Jenny and David, um, and uh, their family is so beautiful. You guys, every time I see a picture of you all on Facebook and the beautiful way that God has brought your family together and knit your family, it just warms my heart, and it just reminds me that our God is such a creative God. Um, so, real quickly, if you would um, introduce, um, we'll we'll start with Jenny. Can you tell us how you met? David, and then um, how many children you have in your life and how God brought them. Sure. So Dave and I met in college together and knew pretty quickly that we wanted to get married and wanted to settle down and have a family. Um, But the Lord revealed to us about a year into marriage that we wouldn't be able to have biological children. And, you know, that was a blow. And Mm -hmm. we purposed to not let it come between us as a married couple, but then to allow the Lord to direct us what He did want for us in the different avenues of adoption, which we had already talked about and we're already open to, but still needed to process the loss of not being able to have biological children. Mm. Um, Now, before marriage, you didn't know at all that that was a a factor, correct? Yeah, we didn't Mm. know. Okay. Yeah, so um, we felt most called to help in the foster care Mm. arena first, just within our own communities and... um, to be able to help there. And, and we did, and we fostered for about five years and the Lord blessed us with two children adopted through foster care. And 
we just felt like our family wasn't quite complete. And so we started to pursue embryo adoption. And now we have two more beautiful children Mm. through embryo adoption. Quite the blended family and not not in the traditional term of blended, but um, we'll get into all of that in a minute. But um, David, tell me briefly, um, you know, Jenny said that you guys made a, a purpose to not let your struggle with infertility affect your marriage or your walk with the Lord. Tell me um, for you emotionally what that was like to, to, to lay down that desire to have biological children and, and, and how did the Lord help you? Well, we both... Um have enjoyed kids since we were young people from being camp counselors or working with kids on mission trips. And we thought we would just have a big family so that we could share what we have with kids and share our enjoyment of the good things in life and also disciple the kids and have a witness to the community through our family. So uh, when we found out that we weren't going to have any kids, you know, well, a lot of feelings pop up as far as what that could mean. Is it a punishment of some kind? Mm-hmm. Is it a test of faith? Is it just the wrong time to have kids? Are we not supposed to at all? So does that mean try harder and work through it? Or no, go do something else? Or for a little while, I I thought, well, that's all right. I can be busy enough and not think about it. Mm. And I just spent a little bit more time on work and hobbies initially. But um, Jenny was thinking about it hard. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of brought me around when she learned about some of the needs in our community with uh, foster kids waiting for adoption. And so that's that's when we tried to position ourselves to be eligible to adopt those kids if it turned out they couldn't return to their families. You know, often I think the the woman does feel a stronger desire, I think because um, God has made us to be the nurturers. Um, Not that men can't be nurturing, but there's just something ingrained in a woman to want to um, raise children. So Jenny, tell us about um, how did you overcome those um, initial feelings and disappointments? Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a huge blow because I always wanted to be a mom. I had a teaching degree. I loved working with children. And the idea of not being able to be a mother felt just very sad and disheartening. And so there was definitely a struggle there to like really seek the Lord to say, Lord, I really want to see your goodness in this. I know that you're good. I know that you have good for me. Show me what that looks like, even if it's not my understanding of biological children. And so there was that constant wrestling throughout all of our infertility just to really put my trust and my faith in Him and to depend on Him. Mm. And that's not something that, you know, just goes away after you, the Lord blesses you with children. You know, you still have to be in this constant state of, Lord, I trust you with what's going on in my life and I depend on you. And so I can look back and see thankfulness in my heart that He really grew me during that time to Mm. be closer to Him. Amen. Uh, so then you yeah. jumped into fostering, and um, foster care has its own set of um, difficulties. It's uh, the the kids are amazing, but the um, from everything I've heard, the um, the system causes a lot of um, heartbreak. Often was was that the case for you all? Yes, honestly, it, it was more very difficult. Yeah, part of that's just yeah. working with the government. Some mm-hmm. things move slowly with the government. And uh, in our case, there was a lack of continuity. We had five different caseworkers coming and going. Mm, and wow. um, you're, you become acquainted with the situation and extremely concerned for the kids and attached to the kids, but the situation remains outside your control. Mm-hmm. So we only had one part to play in that, and we couldn't control the outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be, 
the goal of foster care is reunification with biological parents. So you work as hard as you can to support that and give them a chance to make that happen. Um, at, well, at the same time, processing your own feelings of desiring to be mom and dad, <laughs> which is, um, right. that's so challenging. But you, through that, you have two amazing daughters. Can you tell us briefly about them? Sure. We have Ruby and Grace. Um, and like I said, it was definitely a roller coaster through foster care. And so it took about five years to mm. adopt those children with a little bit of a break in between. So they, they were return, returned to their biological family for mm. a time. And that is actually when the Lord led us to embryo adoption. Mm. And so in that interim, I was able to pursue that with a new interest. And two weeks before we were going to proceed with the embryo adoption, we got a call back that our girls needed a home again. And wow. Of course we opened our <laughs> home, and so we were congruently back in foster care and pursuing this embryo adoption. And um, that turned out into a pregnancy. So there was just so much rejoicing and we could just see pieces falling into place and seeing the Lord's faithfulness. And that was just, it was a special time. There's so many valleys and mountaintop experiences um, in, in your walk with the Lord. And it's crazy to see you, you know, one day you had no children and the next it was like, wow, there's three, <laughs> yeah. um, which is incredible. So, okay. So let's jump in on snowflake adoption because that's um, um, a lot of people have heard of traditional adoption, but snowflake adoption is very unique. Uh, my husband and I, when we started our infertility journey, um, we uh, knew the Hancocks and they, you were the only people that I know that have ever actually done it. Like I'd heard about it, but I was like, okay, how does this work practically? I had so many questions like yeah. one, um, theological is this is this okay? What does God think about this? What is actually happening um, scientifically? Is it is life being honored? And then also, I had questions about how does um, how do you explain it to your children once you do um, have them? How do you explain where they came from and how God knit them together? And um, so we we called Jenny and had a, a and David had a, a Zoom call, I think it was, and just bombarded them with all our questions. So now our <laughs> listeners get to benefit from that conversation as well. So let's go back and just stop with what, what either one of you, what is snowflake adoption? You can take that one, sweetie. Okay. Uh, well, it's fairly recent. We didn't know about it until just a few years ago, but um, it came out of the um, in vitro fertilization uh, service that's provided by some fertility clinics. So when, when doctors work with families that are having trouble conceiving and carrying a pregnancy naturally, through in vitro, they'll extract the eggs from the wife, and then um, they'll fertilize those in the lab with the sperm. And then once the embryo has begun to develop for a few days, the embryo is implanted back into um, the, the mother's womb to grow. And in many cases, because that process is invasive and expensive, multiple eggs are extracted and fertilized at one time. Two or three embryos are implanted to grow and be born, and the others are preserved in liquid nitrogen and frozen for an indefinite period of time. So a lot of families that have had kids through in vitro fertilization um, end up with four or five kids, and maybe they have three or four embryos left frozen. And maybe the mom is now getting old, and they think, well, it's too late to have more kids. We have enough. What do we do with these? And um, for a lot of Christian families... That's a difficult decision mm -hmm. because they don't want to abandon the embryos. They want to give each one a chance at life and uh, don't want to leave them preserved indefinitely. So 
there's a Christian fertility clinic that has committed to connecting those families with adoptive families who are willing to carry and deliver the babies if they can be born. Yeah, tell us tell us uh, what the clinic was that you worked with. What's their name? Yeah, we worked uh, with the National, National Embryo Donation Center. Mm, that's awesome. When we, I heard when y'all told Eric and I about it, that's actually um, they're connected with a, a fertility clinic. So they have the egg donation center. They work with Southeastern Fertility, and um, we actually chose to come all the way to Knoxville, Tennessee, for our treatments because of their value that they put on life. And um, you know, David, when you said embryo, that people have these embryos that are frozen. Of course, that's the scientific term, but I think it's helpful for us to just acknowledge that. Those are babies. Those are lives that are frozen, yeah. that are in in the in, in the freezer, um, sort of speak. And um, and there are literally thousands across the country. These um, most clinics, um, there's there's a problem of they have so many frozen. There, what what do we do with them? And the the options are we can discard them, um, or we can um, donate them to to couples such as yourself. Um, so, yeah. uh, Jenny, did you all have any sort of theological questions or things you had to work through as you were understanding this or even in explaining it to family or friends? Well, I think, like you said, we value life at conception. So theologically, I don't think there was much of a struggle there. We saw these as babies that mm-hmm. just needed a chance to grow and mm-hmm. for our family to care for them. So in that sense, I didn't, I did not feel any struggle whether it would be the right thing to do. We thought it was worthwhile and we wanted these lives to be born and to have lives of the glory of God. So um, I don't think there was a struggle there. I think there was a struggle maybe in the process, determining how many embryos to implant Mm. to give each embryo a chance at life. Mm. So I think those we had to wrestle with, but the National Embryo Donation Center was wonderful to talk us through all of the processes, medically, emotionally, just to kind of support us along that way to give the best chance of success for these embryos. Because like you said, they really value mm. life there and will do all that they can to help those lives succeed. Well, walk us through now what the actual like medical procedure um, from beginning to end, um, because this is such a unique process. And while traditional adoption has its own set of um, difficulties, um, snowflake adoption, um, you have to go through IVF. So what was that like? Similar, yeah. So I didn't do all of the steps of IVF that families go through. I just kind of did the tail end. So these embryos have already been created, and they just need to prepare my body medically to create the best environment for the embryos to stick and for a successful pregnancy. And so that required an exam, first with the National Embryo Donation Center, to say, is my body fit and ready for a pregnancy? And once that was confirmed, then they started to prepare just the hormone cycles with medication and timing things so that it would be just right when the doctors implanted the embryos. It also included shots, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but I mean, things, you're, it's part of parenting, right? Parenting <laughs> is sacrifice. And so laying your life down for your children, starting at the very beginning, um, a process of shots too, to make sure that those uh, embryos had the best chance at life. So it was about a, I would say a three month three or four month medical process between the medications and the shots and appointments. There are definitely constant appointments and monitoring different levels. But again, they were pretty good to be with us every step of the way, even when we were long distance. So the Mm -hmm. National Embryo Donation Center is in Tennessee, but we were living in Nebraska at the time. Wow. And so we would have a local clinic that helped us with some of the monitoring. And then we also went to Tennessee to get the transfer and some of the other appointments done. 
So um, you talked about how sacrifice as a parent, <laughs> you know, while taking all of the injections and so- shots. Um, one of the difficult things is that with embryo, with, well, with, with any pregnancy, um, there's no guarantee that, that you will get to hold that baby in your hands. And with um, specifically right. with IVF, there's, you know, always a decent chance that one round will not be successful. Um, I'll ask right. David this question. How did you process financially the investment of uh, embryo adoption and having to fly and take off work and go from Nebraska to Tennessee on, um, on a maybe? Yeah. Well, even if it didn't result in a successful de- delivery of a, a healthy baby, it's not a waste to... So we trusted the doctors to make sure that Jenny was going to be healthy enough and her uterus was perfectly receptive that uh, these embryos could grow and the babies could be born. So we trusted them. Um, it's not like you're risking the lives of right. the babies. You're giving them the chance that they need. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though occasionally the the embryos will not, not all of them will survive. Maybe they'll implant two and one is born. It's sad to lose one, but we are confident that we gave it every opportunity to be born. Mm. And so even if we didn't end up with kids, I don't think it's a waste because mm, you gave those kids the chance that they needed. Mm, and maybe closure for the families that donated them as well. Mm, that's a great point. Okay, so you had all of these shots and injections, and then transfer day, you guys, what, went down to Tennessee? Yes, we went down to Tennessee with our two foster children at the time, and thankfully, our first transfer was a success. We transferred three embryos and got pregnant with our Katie, and she was born nine months later, and, and what a joy, and I think that's one of the benefits of embryo adoption. With infertility, I got to experience pregnancy. Mm. I got to carry my child and deliver her and care for her from the earliest days. And Mm. and that was just, that was a beautiful gift from the Lord. And Mm. I'm thankful for that. So yeah, Yeah. it was three months of shots once I got pregnant, but totally worth it. Now tell us about Katie. She was um, frozen for how long? Do you know how long? 15 years, right? 14 years frozen. Wow, that's okay, crazy. 14. So for 14 years, she was waiting for a family. And in God's yeah. perfect timing, he, she brought, he brought her to you. Yeah. She's that's... a totally unique personality. <laughs> I can't imagine. You know, I can't imagine life without meeting Katie. Oh, and you decided to go through this process one more time, correct? We did, yeah. Uh, Katie was about two years old, and we just... Again, I just felt like the Lord wasn't done with our family yet. And so we started the process again with the National Embryo Donation Center. Um, And we actually had two attempts that did Mm. not result in a pregnancy. Mm. And so I got to experience those losses. And Mm. um, we went back a third time. And praise the Lord, that's when we got pregnant with Charlie. And Mm. so really thankful to have both of those children and be able to carry them and know them from their earliest Dave. <laughs> mm. Well, tell us, if you don't mind, during those losses, um, how did the Lord help you through? Were there any scriptures that you clung to? And, and what was going through your all's um, hearts and minds in your conversations with the Lord? Well, you have to remember that um, the risk of the babies not surviving is not unique to embryo adoption. Yes. It's the same chance of survival that 
the biological family would have through IVF. And they just don't always so, even know about it. Sometimes those that don't do IVF, um, right. there's often, um, I think one in four pregnancies are, are lost, but um, often like our, my husband and I, our, our miscarriage, the, the only reason we knew about it was because of how closely my health was being monitored. We would never right. have, we would never have known otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So the big question was how many times to try? Mm-hmm. Are we pushing too hard? Are we trying to make this happen? Mm. Or is it something that the Lord wants us uh, to do? Mm. So right. that's a decision that's made between the husband and wife and the doctor together, too, because um, Dr. Keenan, who worked with us at NEDC, um, once he's confident in the health of the mother, will attempt three transfers. Mm. And if it's if it's unsuccessful three times for the sake of the embryos and for the sake of the emotions of the family, he'll stop after that. Mm. Um, so we hadn't reached the limit, and he was confident that, you know, there was nothing in Jenny's health against trying again. And um, so we just kept praying that if we were willing to try it, then the Lord's will would happen and he'd control the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. And again, just wrestling, you know, Lord, you are going to show your goodness and faithfulness Mm -hmm. in this, and we are just going to keep trusting you along the way. Um, I think in that, though, I will admit it's a struggle because you trust the Lord, but there's Mm -hmm. still that sadness there. And Mm -hmm. I think I had to grow an understanding of what it meant to still trust the Lord, but still allow myself to grieve Mm. and to be okay with that and to say, Lord, this still hurts, but I trust you. Mm. Because I think sometimes I would put on that, like, that happy face for people just so that they would know that I was trusting the Lord, but I, I didn't allow a lot of space to say it's still really sad and it's hard mm. to go through. That is a fantastic so, point. I think I had the same thing. My husband told me it's okay. It's okay to cry. The Lord's not going to judge you. It's, yeah. You know, these are human. Emo- Jesus wept, you know, um, you, you right. said something about the Lord's goodness, Jenny. There was a scripture that you shared with me. I don't know if you remember it about the Lord's goodness, but it was one I cling, uh, was clinging to. Do you, do you remember the one I'm talking about? Yes. And I'm sorry. I don't have the reference right in front oh, of me no right problem. now, but I would have despaired unless I had seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Mm. And just, I mean, just and the character of God, you know, there's one verses we can pull out, but I just think knowing the character of God throughout mm-hmm. the Bible, you know that He's good. You know that He's faithful. You know that He has good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, you know? So I just, you just cling to that in a different mm-hmm. level of desperation mm-hmm. when you're going through something where you want to see good out of a situation that seems bad. Mm-hmm. That verse, like, and I love the part that specifically says in the land of the living, because it's yes, easy to say, babies. yeah, like, and it's, it's in the here right now on earth, because we know that God has good things for us in heaven, but it's a reminder right. that he also desires his kingdom to be here on earth. And we might not understand all of the sad things that happen, but, um, but his character doesn't change, um, Right. Just just because we're here on earth and he's not he's not far off from us. He's here with us on, on earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, okay. Next question. Tell me, how did you explain to Katie and Charlie um, how the Lord oh, no. brought them to life? No. We started to explain it to Katie, not really with Charlie since he's only three yet, but um, it's helped with Katie to know that everyone in our family is adopted mm. and we're a family that God has called together, although none of us are related. Mm. <laughs> so we also talk about how each member of the church is an adopted child of God. Mm. So he's a helper of the fatherless. He's placed each of us in families in a certain time and place. He has a plan for us. Um, we haven't explained the science too much, but Katie does know that she's related to other people that we haven't met. 
and she may have other brothers and sisters that we haven't met. So, Jenny, what else? Yeah, I would say it's just a very complex topic, and it's hard conceptually and developmentally for her to understand. I wouldn't say it was until she was six years old that she fully comprehended what it meant to have another family that loved her. Mm. And you could tell her she was processing that loss. I mean, adoption has always been known in our family. It's never been a secret. We talk about it as it comes up, and we celebrate it once a year just to say that, look what the Lord has done for our family. Mm. But, yeah, there was a moment where she said, what What do you mean I have another mom and a dad? And so, it, yeah, it's just as those conversations coming up, trusting and really pointing that, like David said, that this is the Lord's plan, and He had a good purpose for you, and we can trust Him through that. Amen. Well, David, would you mind briefly closing us in a prayer for any couples considering this? Absolutely. Thank you, Lord, for this time today. Thank you for your goodness toward us. We depend on your grace and love. We know that uh, you prepared good works for us to do, and we want to walk in those and not to miss them. Um, we intend to do good, but we don't know all the pieces of your plan. So we just start by acknowledging you, committing ourselves and our works to you, and asking that you put your path before us and help use our lives to honor Christ, encourage others, and bring life. Um, we know that you're reconciling the world to God through your Son, Jesus Christ. Use us in that great work, and thank you for our children. We love you. Amen. Well, Jenny and David, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, it is absolutely precious. And thank you for listening to Hannah's Heart. If you're curious, um, check out the National Embryo Donation Center. Mm-hmm.